It's my privilege to introduce our guest speaker. Really, he's more than a guest, he's a friend because he's been at our church uh, many times. We're happy to have his wife, Joyce, with us as well. And uh, they began their missionary ministry in Spain. A number of years later, they moved to uh, Portugal, and that's when I first began to know them. They, from the ground up, they built Mount Hope Bible School. My privilege to have been there, and it is a magnificent campus that God enabled them to build. God laid on his heart that building Bible schools around the world would, would be God's idea. He started priority one to accomplish that task and has helped Bible schools in 50 countries of the world. Uh, he has shared over the years some of the buildings that uh, they have erected and our church has had a role in uh, building them. So this morning I'd like for you to give a good People's Church welcome to our friend, Sam Johnson. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. This man was the pastor also to my dear mother and father. My father was 18 years on the staff of the church that you pastored. He'd still be there, but he died of cancer at the age of 91. My mother was left alone for 20 years after that, but the church never forgot that they promised to take care of my mom and my dad. And every month there was a knock on the door, Mrs. Johnson, this is the gift from Spanaway because of this man right here who set it all in motion. Mom lived to be 102, just soaked that church all the way to its bone. So thank you very much. Thank you for your fine introduction, and thank you all for letting me come again to be with you today on this incredible day. When Ned Clemens called me and said, we're going to honor Pastor Mrs. Erickson, and we have chosen for you to come and be the speaker on that day. I became frightened. <laughs> what am I going to say that would be adequate at this incredible opportunity? So I thank Ned and I thank all of you for letting me come and thank you, Pastor Mrs. Erickson, who had nothing to do with it. I am honored this morning that Joyce could be with me on this trip. And Joyce and Bonnie, as you can tell from the hair, are twin sisters. And they just have different mothers. When we began our ministry, we remembered that Jesus Christ, at the age of 30, began his ministry by calling 12 disciples to become his, his, his followers. And in the creation of that, he made possible the first Bible school of the Assemblies of God. He had 12 students, had a three-year curriculum without a campus. Wherever Jesus went, they went. He taught them from the prophets. He taught them how to pray. 
He taught them how to believe in miracles. He taught them that he'd come to be the savior of the world. They did not fully understand that. Judas, the least of them, who for a bag of silver sold Jesus Christ in the last days of his life. But Jesus knew why he had come. And he was faithful, ladies and gentlemen, to that call by going to the cross of Calvary and there he died for all of us. And as he hung between two thieves, he said these incredible words, it is finished. And I have good news for you this morning, People's Church, here in the building and watching online. It is finished. Our, pay, our sins have been forgiven. It's not because of penance. It's not because of communion. It's not because of anything that we do. It's because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that washed away all of our sins. And by the accepting of that wonderful gift, we become born again and new believers. And so Joyce and I have had this privilege for these many, many years of sharing that message of what Jesus Christ set in motion by establishing Bible campuses and schools across the world. When we began 55 years ago to pursue this with vigor, I knew that the answer lay in doing as Jesus did. When we went to Spain, there were only five churches, and we could have started another church or two or three because they needed them. But we believe that the greatest contribution we could make was to start a Bible training center and thus, we were able to do that in the southern part of Spain. We had four students who came and completed the three years of studies. Today, if you come with me to Spain, where your pastor has been on several occasions, you will find hundreds of Pentecostal churches, not because of that Bible school alone, but because of the principles of teaching and training, going out and starting churches, and coming back and studying and sending students and going out and starting. And so this is what we have done around the world. But in the beginning, God gave to me a verse that became my verse. All of us have verses that are very important to each one of us. My verse was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But nobody ever told me that the greatest test of faith is time. Time. The greatest test of faith is time. And so, in my research for this incredible day in which I'm sharing with you, I went back to honor your pastor and his wife, and I reflected on the laws of sowing and reaping that I was taught as a young man in the beginning of my ministry. And I want to share them with you this morning. Law number one is we reap what we sow. Twenty years ago, your pastor came. It was not easy but he began to reap good soil, good seed into great soil. And today, ladies and gentlemen, you have the most magnificent church on the West Coast. I thank God, absolutely. I thank God for that principle. Principle number two, we reap the same kind of what we sow. He did not sow heresy. He sowed, as we've heard this morning, biblical truths. 
He sold kindness. He sold generosity. He's the last man to come in the church because he's shaking everybody's hands. He knows you by name. He knows where you live. He knows your concerns. He knows your cares. And he's invested 20 years of his life doing all of that. That's one of the reasons why he's so successful. Number three, we reap in a different season than when we sow. Some people never learn that. They want to reap right now. No, 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 no. You have to sow first, and then you reap in a different season. Number four, we reap more than we sow. That's good, and that's bad. If you have sown good seed, you, you will be awfully happy. But if you sowed bad seed, the principle works for both of us, all of us. The principle is the same, regardless of the seed that we chose and regardless of the time of sowing. Then number five, we reap in proportion to what we sow. Number six, we reap the full harvest if we persevere. We reap the full harvest if we persevere. Twenty years later, here we are in this great assemblage of people, praising God for all that he's accomplished because these two people never quit believing. They never quit visiting. They never quit praying. They never quit preaching. They never quit loving you. I was in Ethiopia, there to help build a Bible school, many, many years ago. Ethiopia was in the midst of its worst famine in two years. It had not rained. The United Nations was then in there in force, feeding the people, keeping them alive. And I was intrigued when I was out in the country, going up the side of a mountain to see a farmer who had just plowed his field with his oxen. Now he had a big bag of grain on his chest and he reached his hand into that bag of grain and as he walked down through the furrows, he began to sow the seed. Remember, it had not rained for two years. But this man who was not, a, who was, who was not he, was, he was not a Pentecostal preacher. He was not as smart and wise as you may be. He was smarter than a lot of people. He knew, ladies and gentlemen, that if he sowed when the rain came, he would have a harvest. But, but if you don't sow, you will never enjoy the harvest. He persevered, and I can't emphasize that enough this morning, so vitally important. And then number seven, we cannot do anything about last year's harvest but we can do a lot about the year to come. I love this because every one of us here this morning has done things in, the, in our lives that we are not happy with. But listen to me this morning. We can't go back and redo them. We can't go back and obscure them. We can't go back and live them over again. Remember this this morning, and this is so vitally important. When Jesus Christ died in the world on this, the cross of Calvary and, and gave us his precious life everlasting, the Bible teaches us that as we confess our sins, we are forgiven of our sins, and he remembers them no more. He remembers them no more. 
You may remember, but he remembers them. So quit confessing your sins of the past because they have been forgiven, blotted out by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do anything about that. We can't go back and relive those years, those experiences, all of that. When you said things you don't, shouldn't have said, and you did things that you shouldn't have done, and we went places we should never have gone, and we imbibed things that we should never have imbibed. Forget all about that. Let's go on because what's important is what we do in the present and in the year to come for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the seven laws that have been given to us by the, man of, by the name of a man, John, John Lawrence, in his book, Life's Choices. But now, I have for you Sam's Law. This is number eight. Eight. This is Sam's Law. Sam's law says that the most significant day of the harvest is the day that you choose the seed. The most significant day of the harvest is the day that you choose the seed. I was born and raised in North Dakota. I worked on the farm on several summers. I know about tilling the soil. I know about planting the, the seed. I know about harvesting all of it. But I know that the most significant day of the harvest, if you want to have corn, you better choose corn because otherwise you'll be disappointed. So you have to choose the seed in the most significant day. Let's choose to be kind. Let's choose to be gracious. Let's choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's choose to forgive. Let's choose. And we make those choices. I can't make those choices for you. I can't make them for my children. You must make the choices. And the most significant day of the harvest is the day that you choose the seed. So Joyce and I, we knew as we began to travel that the greatest test of faith God had given to all of us faith. And I love that scripture. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I, and I, and I, but I, nobody told me that the greatest test of faith is time, time, time. So as I began to travel on my way to Spain with my wonderful wife and our five-month-old boy, we begin to preach across America, and we said we're going to go to Spain, and we're going to build a Bible school. We're going to build a Bible school. We're going to build a Bible school. But today, looking back on all of that experience, I realize how God led us and how God guided us. We went to Spain. We were able to help build the Bible school. And while I was there, I got a call. Could you please come on over to Portugal and preach for us? Yeah, I could do that. So I went over to Portugal, and I discovered that the Assemblies of God Church in Lisbon, Portugal, had 60 congregations and three full-time pastors. These guys, Pastor Warren, these guys were going, they were going crazy. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just trying to pastor 60 congregations. It was, and so they kept saying to me when I would come, please pray for workers. I prayed for workers. I prayed, for, oh God, I was, oh God. One day I was back in Spain, I was praying for these, this great need, and God said, what those people in Portugal need is a Bible school. Oh, I said, that's a brilliant idea. Yes, so I went went back and I talked to the Portuguese people and I said, what you need is a Bible school. Oh, they said, that's it. And we want you to come and build and direct it for us. Oh, I said, no, I could, no, I, no, no. And one day God said, Sam, I want you to go. So I said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. 
We had two boys now that were born in Spain, must have been the water. And so I, I, I scooped up the three kids and we came to America and we began to travel. We traveled across America. I spent 60 nights in my own bed sleep, sleeping there out of a year and a half, traveling, 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 telling people we're going to build a Bible school in Portugal. And people responded, your church in Portland help us. I came here, Denny Davis said, Sam, we're going to help you. Love Denny Davis. And Denny Davis said, we're going to help you. You people helped me and God provided and we went to Portugal and they knew we were coming so they'd been looking around and the day after I arrived on the outskirts of the city of Lisbon there was 30 acres on the edge of the city waiting to be purchased I said this is wonderful so we met with the owner of the property and we said how much do you want we agreed on the price I went to the lawyer and I said we want to buy the property he said come back and see me in a couple of weeks we'll draw up all the papers I went back in a couple of weeks three weeks four weeks five weeks six weeks seven weeks eight weeks two months three months four months I kept going back nothing I said what they said well he said well he wasn't honest he said well some of them aren't he said, well, on April the 25th, my boys, our boys went off to school. They came back right away. I said, why did you come back from school? They said, the headmaster said, there's a coup going on in the country. Get in the house, close the door. The army has attacked our government. Wow, I said, that's terrible. So I put the boys in the house. I locked their side of the house, and I slipped in my car and went downtown because I'd never seen a coup. <laughs> and it's not often you get a chance to see one. And I saw all the tanks and the troops and the armored cars. I said, wow, they're having a coup. They're overthrowing the government. This is really something. And that's exactly what happened. They overthrew 48 years of dictatorship in nearly a bloodless coup. April the 25th, 1974. We did not understand the significance of that, but when I went back to the lawyer's office several weeks later, he said, Reverend Johnson, I've got good news for you. I, you say, he said, you, I, I say, you do? He said, yes. He said, the paperwork is coming through. What I didn't realize was that no Protestant had ever bought property like that in Roman Catholic Portugal. And now we became the first ones ever to buy the property that you see on the screen this morning because God taught us a valuable lesson. And this is the lesson that I want to leave with you. Persevere. For I hold in my hand this morning an egg. And I'm encouraging all of you today to be patient. For in time, even an egg will walk. In time, even an egg will walk. Now I want you to see, ladies and gentlemen, what happened. Because the egg kept walking. That's it right there that you referred to, that you have been to, that God helped us to build over nine years. We never stopped building. We built classrooms and dining rooms. They love to eat. We built a chapel for 1,500. We built, we built, we built, we built, we built. And if you persevere, ladies and gentlemen, you will accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And today in the country of Portugal, now listen to me. Today in the country of Portugal, the Assemblies of God is the number one Protestant denomination. How is that possible? Possible, possible, 
possible because, be possible because we never quit believing. You never quit gaving. You helped me time and time again. I don't know how many times I came here and you helped me again. And through the years, you've helped us now build Bible schools in over 50 countries of the earth. And I'm grateful to you this morning. I told you when I was here last time about our dear friend, Hulda Buntain. I want to share with you in 60 seconds what you helped me to do in the country of India, outside of the city of Calcutta. This is what we found. We, we were given this, this three-story building. We were given this three-story building in which we could build a Bible school. We added the fourth floor. After we added the fourth floor, and it looks good, they said, oh, no, 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 no. Now we need a women's dormitory. I said, you got room for women in that building. Yeah, but you said, they said, we, gotta, we, can't, we can't have the women too close to the boys. The girls can't be too. It's an amazing thing. It'll happen later, sooner or later. But they didn't want, they didn't want it sooner. And so they said, you could, we got to have a women's dormitory. I said, all right. So we built the women's dormitory. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you see the whole complex that God helped us to do to help Hulda Buntain, this great hero that we all adore, to do something significant. And this is the finest Bible school in all of India today for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Possible because if we'll persevere, if we'll be patient, even an egg will walk. You have helped me so very much. I was just in Nepal, 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 just before COVID slammed the door in America and the world. And I was able to help dedicate this building for the girls' dormitory that you helped me to build in Nepal. A seven-story facility that turned, they said, we need four stories. I said, okay. But then they said, no, we don't have much land here. Could you go up a couple of stories? Yeah. So it ended up seven. It's amazing how sometimes these things grow. And they kept growing and growing. But the, the wonderful part of it is that today in the country of Nepal, where 70 years ago there was not one believer, today in the country of Nepal there are, there's one million believers. How is it possible? How is this possible? Possible, ladies and gentlemen, because we never quit believing. I end this morning. When am I supposed to be done? When am I supposed to be done? In 10 minutes? Oh, I love you. <laughs> I, was, I was minding my own business. It's not easy. But I was minding my own. No, it's the truth. I was minding my own business living in Minneapolis at the time. And a man by the name of Barnabas called me. He said, I want to come and see you. I said, yeah, come along. I did not know he was Dr. Barnabas Mokambali, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. Wow. He came to Minneapolis. I got him a motel room, and I took him out to supper. Never touched it. For four hours, he began to tell me what he wanted to do. He said, we have a dream. We have a plan. We believe, God, that in the next 10 years, we can start 10,000 new churches. I said, how are you ever going to do that? He said, no, it's not how I'm going to do it. It's how you and I are going to do that. I said, what do you have in mind? He said, if you come with me, I'll show you. So I went to the Central Bible College in the heart of the country of Dodoma, and this is what I found. I found, ladies and gentlemen, a dormitory that was begun in 2007. 2007, 2008 were not kind years to us in America economically. And the church that started that never was able to go back. That was going to be a boy's dormitory. I saw that, and I said, devil, get out of my way. 
Get out of my way. I didn't have an egg then, but I should have had an egg, and I would have just squeezed it like, and I said, get out of my way, because that's, that's going to work. And we came to you, and we said, would you help us? And you helped us, and I want you to see what God helps to do in Tanzania. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the beautiful boys' men's dormitory for 250 men. So then I said, what's next? They said, we need a chapel. I said, how big are we gonna build that chapel? They said, you just start building, we'll tell you when it's all done. <laughs> and basically, that's what happened. That's what happened, it grew and grew. And now I want you to take a look at that. It seats 5,000, seats 5,000 pastors because it has become the capital city, it's become the capital Bible school, it's become the focal point for all that the Assemblies of God is doing in Tanzania because they started out to plant 10,000 new churches. They finished that plan one year ago with the completion date that they had planted 10,000 new churches for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Possible, ladies and gentlemen, if we'll persevere, if we'll persevere, if we'll persevere, if we'll be patient, even an egg will walk. Then they said, we don't have enough room for the students in our classrooms. I said, well, let's do something about it. On March of this year, we did something about it. We dedicated what you helped me to build when I was here with you the last time. We built the magnificent 700-seat academic center in the capital city of, of, of Tanzania. 700 students are able now to have a rightful place. And I said, well, what's next? They said, we have one more thing to do. I said, really? Pastor Scott had been with me there to preach the graduation. And he, I took him out to the edge of the, of the 30-acre campus. And I said, look at this over here. I said, this is what they want us to do. He said, Really? I said, yes. I said, could you help us? He said, I think we can do that. And every month since then, you have sent us $4,000 to do what we are now doing on the edge of that campus. We just had the groundbreaking six weeks ago, and this is what they, is being accomplished. A five-story academic center of all academic centers. This is Africa's Continental Theological Seminary. A PhD program, not for the country of Tanzania alone, but for all 53 countries in the continent of Africa. The finest that there is, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have the dedication with your pastor being there this coming September, and we're going to have a great day of celebration on your behalf because you helped to make all of this possible. For if we're patient in time, even an egg will walk. I was asked three years ago if I could go to Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso is a country of 15 million people in West Africa. Yes, I can go there. And so I went and I found the Assemblies of God that was birthed 99 years ago. There are six graves in Burkina Faso today, testimonies to missionaries who gave their lives and their children's lives, to birth the church of the Assemblies of God. And today in Burkina Faso, 
The Assemblies of God is the largest Protestant denomination. There are seven Bible schools. There are 7,000 churches. There are three million believers. Possible because, ladies and gentlemen, if we will persevere, if we'll be patient, even an egg will walk. We have gone, and I want to show you a couple of things that we've done. We've built dormitories. That's what I found, thatch roof dormitories. For when the male student comes, he brings his wife and his children, and they give them a room, nine by 15, in which they live for three years. That's one of the old rooms. This is one of the new rooms that you helped me to build. Each one of those is an individual room, nine by 15. That's the home for a man and his wife and his children for, for three years on seven campuses where there are now seven to 8,000 students, wives, and children. How is this possible? Possible because you folks have made it all possible. So we've helped them build dormitories. We've helped them to build libraries, libraries, libraries. That's a school for the children school. That's the library right there. All of this in Burkina Faso. But I end this morning by sharing something with you that's so very important to this country of ours. The Sunday after Easter last year, as an Assembly of God church up north was finishing its services and the people emptying out of the church, seven motorcyclists roared up on their motorcycles and parked their bikes, and they went looking for the pastor. They said, who's the pastor? They pointed out the pastor, and they took him to the back of the church and said, sir, will you renounce Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, never, and they shot him, killed him instantaneously, dragged him, and placed him at the feet of his wife, who was waiting at the front of the church. Where's the head usher? Took the head usher took him to the back of the church, would you renounce Jesus as your savior? Never, and killed him as well. They today have killed hundreds of Christians in Burkina Faso. They have decimated hundreds of churches. People are frightened and they fled to the middle of the country, away from the militant Muslims who've come down from the north. So I asked the general superintendent, sir, what are you gonna do? And he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. If you'll help me, we'll build another dormitory. We'll fill it with students who will dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ. And we'll go out and we'll plant another church. And we'll plant another church. And we'll plant another church. And I said, I'll do that. I did not know then that I was coming here. But if perchance there are some of you today who want to help us build one more room, $2,000, one set of rooms for $10,000. We can tell the people when I go there the end of this year to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Assemblies of God. I was in People's Church in Salem, Oregon, and they said, keep going, be strong, because if you're patient, even an egg will walk. Lord Jesus, this morning, I thank you for all that you've helped Priority One and Sam and Joyce to do. I thank you this morning that this church led by Scott and Bonnie Erickson and this incredible staff and elders have supported this ministry, 
I thank you on this marvelous weekend of celebration for this beautiful couple, for this dedicated couple, for this God-delivering couple. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their example. I thank you for their perseverance. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to bless their ministry and this assembly as long as you have it in your plans. In Jesus' name, amen.